Are you ready to start the second phase of your career journey? Do you feel like you are drowning in and overwhelmed with information about becoming an entrepreneur? Do you wish someone could just give you the step-by-step playbook and hold your hand through the whole process and save you time, money, and energy? Are you frustrated with your lack of progress and wish there was an easier way to grow an audience or scale your business? Maybe you already have a business, but you're stuck, not growing, and not getting the clients you dreamed of. In my one-to-one six-month coaching program, we will work together to identify your niche and ideal audience, discover clarity and confidence, differentiate you from all others in your area of expertise, all while working on mindset. You'll walk away after six months with a strong foundation for brand and business success. You'll have access to my templates, learn email marketing, Pinterest marketing, how to blog, we'll review your website copy, and you'll even get an intro to SEO and so much more. Don't have a website? Don't worry. Through my boutique brand agency, my team and I build brands and launch businesses. You can think of it as a brand in a box. We do it all for you and with you. No need to get multiple estimates and work with people all over the place. It's one-stop shopping. After six months, you'll be able to launch or relaunch your business with confidence and be on the fast track for success. No more overwhelm, frustration be gone. When you hire me as your business coach, you don't have to build a business alone. You don't have to fail your way forward. No longer do you have to overinvest and settle for minimal results. Let me help and guide you step-by-step, piece-by-piece to create a long-term foundation for success and a thriving, profitable business. And let's have fun while we build it. To apply and connect to see if we're a good fit for each other, visit my website, therobingraham.com forward slash brand and business coach. I look forward to learning more about your goals and dreams and helping you make them a reality. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Second Phase Podcast. I'm your host, Robin Graham, a brand marketing strategist, personal branding and business coach, and a branding photographer. I am so excited you are here with me today to chat all about personal branding, personal development, and life overall in the second phase. What is the second phase? The second phase for me was a change in careers and learning how to navigate a new world and build a business from the ground up when I was afraid to put myself out into the world as an entrepreneur. Was I really even an entrepreneur? Did I know enough? Was I enough? Have you asked yourself those questions too? For some, the second phase is a significant lifestyle change, a traumatic loss, a move, an illness. It could be any number of things. No matter the definition of your second phase, we are here together to learn about creating a personal brand that stands out and makes an impact and grow as our authentic selves and follow our callings, our passions, visions, and values. My goal is to help you build a strong foundation for a brand, business, and life success without the overwhelm and frustration of starting something new or changing directions. Through interviews with inspiring guests and solo episodes, I will help you navigate the world of entrepreneurship and all of the challenges that pop up along the journey. You'll find inspiration and guidance, be entertained and enlightened. So grab your cup of coffee or the dog's leash and let's dive in to a new episode. Good morning, friends. I am so glad you're here with me for another episode of the Second Phase Podcast. I have a really special guest with me today and I think we're all going to learn a lot and probably learn how to save some time as well as 
maybe make some more money. So it's going to be a good episode with a great conversation. And I'm super excited to have the guest I have with me today because she has quite a story of transitioning from her first phase to her second phase and doing so because she wanted to stop that mindset of the hustle culture as well as help empower other women. So I'm super excited to have this conversation. You guys are probably like, you're always excited, Robin. And I am because (laughs) I get to bring such amazing people to my audience and it just fuels me. So anyway, without further ado about me and my excitement. I love it. (laughs) Jennifer Spivak, welcome to the Second Phase Podcast. Yes. Thank you so much for having me, Robin. And people say that about me all the time too, that I'm like perpetually excited. So I'm super (laughs) with you on that. (laughs) Well, we're going to have an exciting conversation then. (laughs) How exciting can we make Facebook ads? We're going to be so annoyingly excited about it. I can't believe (laughs) it. Jennifer, will you please tell the listeners a little bit about you and your backstory? I alluded to it, but let's dive a little deeper. Yeah. Currently, I own an all-female Facebook and Instagram advertising agency. And the whole company is basically built from the ground up through the lens of everything about my previous company that didn't work that I wanted to be different. So it was actually now about 10 or 11 years ago, and I had started a digital agency with a business partner. It was a, you know, small minority owner. I was the managing director of this firm and we, you know, really grew it from the two of us in like this teeny tiny office in Brooklyn, New York, where there literally was never a point in time where we wouldn't, we weren't like touching at some point. Like that's how tiny the office was with the two of us in there. Like we were always like touching elbows, touching shoulders, like just like squished in this little space. And we grew this agency from the two of us to 10 people and then 15 people and then 20 people and then a second office in Boston. And, you know, I was really young at the time. I was in my early 20s. And, you know, what I was told is that, like, I was really lucky and I was really successful and I should be really happy and and grateful about all of this stuff in that I, like, had this, you know, great job and we were growing something so big. But, you know, over the years, I kind of, like, would have these repeated moments of looking around and feeling like, this very much like, you know, bro-y hustle culture was really becoming glorified. Getting up and being in the office earlier than everybody else was like the mark that you were doing really well and you were, you know, somebody that was going to be praised at the company. And that didn't feel right to me. And I had this idea that, you know, I could work less and make more and be just as successful in that, like pushing and grinding, like ultimately wasn't the thing that felt good and felt aligned for me. And it was so scary at the time to have spent all these years, like building something with the promise that there was going to be this big reward at the end and ultimately starting to think about leaving before that reward came. But it ultimately came down to the fact of like, I'm unhappy here. And if I stay, you know, if I'm being a little bit dramatic here, I'm like selling my soul for money. And I just like had a moment where I can't do this anymore. And so at the end of 2014, I left that agency and I started building my now company from the ground up. Again, all through the lens of having the experience of what didn't work for me and really getting a chance to create something that was super aligned that had, you know, my mission and vision as a part of it. And, you know, really, again, thinking from the ground up, like, how can we build something that does make a lot of money and feels really good? I love that. And I love that you actually took the action to leave. I think so many people in our world today stay. They feel stuck and they feel like they have to stay because of 
you know, various reasons. It could be that they absolutely have to financially for benefits or whatever. But I think that if we really and truly sit with ourselves and evaluate where we are and whether or not what we're doing and how we're doing it is aligned with our values, it's really important to take that action and figure out how you can move forward. And of course, we're all about the second phase here. So, you know, it's like, do you want that second phase? Do you want to take that chance? Do you want to take that risk and empower yourself to move forward and create something new? And now I have a question for you because a lot of times people will do this. They'll start with a side gig. People are feeling that way in their corporate role or their nine to five. Start thinking about that. Set the stage for being able to move and leave the job you're currently dependent on. Take that initiative to start something on the side. But did you do that or did you just jump ship completely? So there definitely was planning. I didn't just like, you know, completely abandon ship with no plan. And, you know, to your point, it really started with a friend had asked me in the last 30 days, how many days have you thought about not wanting to be at that job? And without skipping a beat, I was like 30. And he was like, how is there a question around what you're supposed to do? Like, what do you mean? And I was like, oh, okay. And so that was this moment of like, okay, I have to go. And, and once that happened, I did start kind of just putting feelers out there. You know, I knew in leaving, I would continue kind of doing the same thing, delivering the same services in a different capacity. I was fortunate to have maybe a little bit of brand recognition and name recognition in that space. So I was able to pick up a couple of freelance clients and then, you know, just logistically, because I was a part owner, there was a little bit of a, you know, cash buyout for for leaving and selling my ownership. And so mm-hmm. I basically was set up with like, hey, if nothing happens and everything falls apart, like I can live for like three months or so, you know, off of this freelance stuff and, and the money that I got from selling my ownership. And I just said, okay, I have, you know, three months to see what happens. I actually, at the time, my lease was up. I moved into an apartment that was like half the rent because I just had absolutely no idea if I was going to make any money. The funny thing is I ended up leaving that apartment three months before that lease was up and just paid the rent on both apartments because it was so bad and I couldn't live there anymore. And I did so well so quickly. But yeah, a lot of planning and just truly having no idea what would happen, but knowing like in my soul and my gut that staying there was just not on the table and I would have to figure it out. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so tell me, let's start talking about the content of the day. We're going to talk about Facebook and Instagram ads. Yes, we are. And let's start with what is the difference between a Facebook ad and an Instagram ad? Very little, quite frankly. So on the back end, like where we're actually setting up the ads, they're one and the same. The platform for setting them up is identical. They are literally the same thing. When you are actually creating an ad, whether the ad is served, for example, in the Facebook news feed or in the Instagram feed, those are just different places or placements where those ads can be served. But the setup, the functionality, it's all the same. It's just deciding literally where you want it to show up. And then there are like sort of like minute tiny little details in terms of how the ad itself renders depending on which placement, but functionally big picture, they're really kind of one and the same. And our approach and what we would advise, you know, any client is rather than looking at them as different or trying to choose one versus the other, let the algorithm decide because in many cases the algorithm knows best. And so when you're setting up an ad, you have the ability to say, I want to show in both places serve it where it's getting the best results. And then, you know, the algorithm will kind of automatically adjust from there. So you can basically set it up so that it can go 
both places, but the algorithm will determine what's best. So I guess you can say, okay, Facebook only, Instagram only, or both. And then if you say both, the algorithm will decide where you're going to get most eyes on that ad. Correct. Okay. And mostly, you know, look, every once in a while, there is a brand that's just like Instagram is 100% not our people, or Facebook is definitely not our people. It's a case by case basis. But I would say 98% of the time, you do just want to let the algorithm do its thing. It knows more than we do. And ultimately, it can figure out and adjust based on where you're getting the best results. Okay, so the best way to do that, you'd say is to set it up so that It's going to target both based on what the algorithm determines is best. Okay, perfect. So when should an entrepreneur, solopreneur, or small business owner consider running ads? Yeah. So I love talking about this. It really is when your offer, your messaging, and your customer decision journey has been validated. So here's the thing. Everybody wants ads to like magically solve all of their problems in their business. And it doesn't work that way. Ads are their channel, their marketing channel. That's it. We forget that. We like make them this magic thing, but that's not true. They're simply a marketing channel. They're literally a way to just get more people into the thing that already exists. And so the thing that already exists, whether that's your funnel, whether that's, you know, getting people to sign up for something, register for an event, book a call with you, like that system needs to be maybe not perfect, but at least somewhat validated. Because again, all you're doing is getting more people and more eyeballs in front of the thing or the structure that ultimately is what carries the weight and sort of is the thing that ultimately decides if everything works. I do believe, and granted, it's like case by case basis, but you're probably not ready for ads until you're doing at least, you know, low six figures. And again, that is case by case. But for the most part, I think if you're not, you know, cracking the 100K a year mark, there's an argument that your offer or your product hasn't been statistically significantly validated to the level at which you can say, hey, I know if I get 100 people into my world, into my system, I'm going to convert at least X. You want to know those numbers, you want to understand them, and you want to have something that's validated. And again, just look at ads at like as like turning the faucet on, essentially. Ooh, I love that. So it's basically, if you're not making just shy of six figures plus, then you're not going to get your ROI on the ads. Is that right? It's definitely a case-by-case basis. I think it's less about you're not going to get the ROI and it's more about the journey is going to be longer. So just understand the expectations. We do every once in a while have clients that come to us like at level zero. You know, I've been uh, talking a lot about this case study recently of one of our clients who came to us in the beginning of 2020, wanting to start a life coaching business with the business that he had in person, brick and mortar, wanting to start this online life coaching business, $0 in revenue for it. And, you know, this company is now doing around 250 to $300,000 per month. And this is all from ads in about a year's time. But as like good and juicy and amazing as that can sound, like here's the truth behind the curtain that everyone needs to understand. It was about four months of nothing, like true, just like testing and nothing. Now we cracked it eventually, right? But here's the thing. When you're coming in with a validated offer, messaging and funnel, then the variable, the piece that's being tested is just the ads. And that's when any good ads agency or ads manager 
should be able to get you results. And again, this is like a ballpark or at least start to see results within maybe two to three months at the longest, because you know, the thing you're driving people into is already validated. So then it's just a matter of let's find the exact right copy, the exact right creative, the exact right target audience. But when you're also testing the variables of how do I talk about my offer? What is my offer? Who exactly is my target audience? What's the right, you know, messaging to get them to close? What's the right funnel? What's the right system? What's the right journey? You can see how it would just take longer to appropriately split test all of the different variables of all of those pieces to where everything locks in. Look, you can start ads whenever you want, but I think for most businesses, clearly they are return conscious, they are cash conscious. And so unless you've got, you know, tons of money to play with, which this was a client that did because he, you know, had this other business. I often think that it's a little bit wiser to be really scrappy to get to that first 100K, get the validation, get the learning, get the qualitative feedback as you talk to people and do like whatever the internet version is of like going door to door. And then you should have the right information to make sense to make an investment into ads. Mm, That's fabulous advice. So basically, if you're starting a business, don't count on doing Facebook ads and going from zero to six figures, right? Most likely is not going to happen. And what type of investment are we talking about? Like say somebody is just so hungry to get this started, they do have a little bit of cash in the bank, what would four months of ads take before they start having an ROI on those? So it's one of the most difficult questions to answer because it's so, so, so broad. So let's start with, if you just want to like run a couple of ads yourself, you can spend $10 a day. Like there's no, there's no like thing that is stopping you from, from doing that, right? You can truly spend as little or as much as you want. Now, again, the question becomes if you're running the ads yourself, do you, you know, have the skill and the knowledge and the understanding to turn them into anything? And so if the answer is no, it doesn't matter if it's only $10 a day. I mean, that's still $300 a month of your money that ultimately isn't going to anything. So can you spend that? Of course you can. It's a question of however little it is, if it's really going to be able to do anything, if you don't know what you're doing, if we're talking about hiring somebody, and I can like definitely give you a range on this, you know, it's easy to find like a freelancer that's probably somewhere around like bottom end, like $1,500 a month, for example, to actually deliver the service. And this is like the cost of having somebody manage things for you and set up the ads. And that ranges all the way up to like five to $10,000 per month. So there's really a wide range. It depends on if you're working with a freelancer or an agency. If you are on the bottom end, let's say like I do know some people who charge $1,500 a month and you can spend, you know, $500 to $1,000 um, towards just the ads piece. So again, ballpark, maybe you're looking at a range total investment between uh, an expert or an agency as well as your ad spend. Maybe bottom end is like $2,500 a month total all the way up to, you know, I mean, infinity, right? I mean, like there are people who are spending, you know, $100,000 plus per month um, on ads. So it really is broad. And I think a better question is, you know, ultimately, what are your goals with ads? And working backwards to kind of get a sense of what you might have to spend in order to hit those goals. And also knowing that going in, you may not know those exact numbers. So whenever we're talking to a new client, which, you know, one of the main questions is how much should we spend? My answer is, hey, our minimum is $2,000 per month. So we don't work with anybody if they're not able to spend at least $2,000 a month in ads. It doesn't make sense given our level of expertise and all the testing that we like to do. And so we'll tell clients, let's start a couple thousand dollars a month. 
let's get some baseline data. So for example, I want to get them as quickly as possible to a place where we can say, hey, every time you spend X, you get a sale. Every time you spend X, you book a call. Every time you spend X, somebody you know signs up for your list, right? All of those good things. And then we have real data specific to their business to be able to then say, you want to have X number of sales? You want to have X number of subscribers? This is what we need to spend in order to have you hit your goals. Wow. There's so much detail. It's unbelievable. Like I wouldn't even touch this with a 10-foot pole. (laughs) Okay. So that's clearly the advantage of having someone do your ads for you because I think you really do have to do that beta testing and figure out. And you also have to be able to find your ideal audience. And I think there's on the back end for ads, there's so much you can do as far as targeting certain populations and all of that stuff. So I can see the value in hiring someone to do this, like crazy value. Absolutely. But it is an investment. So you have to be prepared for that. It's not something you're going to do just straight out of the gate unless you have a reservoir of money just sitting there that you can invest in. Yes. And it is different from doing ads and bringing in a cold audience versus bringing in warm audience through organic engagement and organic relationship building. So I think that is a difference too, right? Yes, absolutely. And and even to the point I'm talking about of sort of having everything validated, there is sometimes still a teeny adjustment period because the way you're selling to your warm organic market, you may need to tweak ever so slightly. So there is still that piece of, oh, well, my conversion rate with my warm audience was X, but now we're not with cold, it's actually slightly lower. And again, it's just a matter of, knowing how to read that data, understand it, interpret it, pivot and adjust, right? So it's just, there are going to be differences. There are going to be little nuances. Every audience is going to be different. What is that conversion rate? I've heard it before, but I can't remember what it is. The average conversion rate with a warm audience compared to a cold audience. I think there's a statistic, isn't there? All I can speak to is that you definitely, and again, it obviously depends on like what you're selling, right? We can't just give like an average conversion rate across the board if we're talking about like a $10,000 program versus, you know, selling $19 socks, just as like a random example. But in general, obviously, your warm audiences should convert higher, should need fewer touch points because, well, they've already had them and cold audiences don't know you as well. So that rate just might be different. And it's not just about the numbers too. Something that we see a lot with clients is how the messaging is crafted sometimes has to be a little bit different because let's just say, for example, the people that they naturally attract organically may already have a good understanding of the work that they do. So there isn't as much like, let's just say, for example, like we work with a lot of coaches. And so depending on the space in which they coach in, they may attract people organically that have an understanding of their work at a different level. So they don't have to do as much upfront education. Whereas if we're going out there and looking to now bring in like much larger groups of people, we may need actually slightly different front facing messaging that meets people where they're at in order to bring them in. So there's both uh, a numbers and data way to look at this. And there's also the sort of qualitative piece where the messaging may need to be ever so slightly tweaked to make sure we're speaking to people in a way that actually means something to them and kind of like indoctrinate them over time. Oh, I love that. Okay. So let's talk about somebody wants to do this themselves. And I know every single time I post on either in my Facebook group or in my Facebook page, business page, I get boost this post (laughs) and reach so many more people, you know? So is that effective? Is it worth putting money into that? Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So here's the thing. I mean, you you even said it yourself. What they're telling you is you're going to reach more people. 
you will. That is 100% fact. That is what boosted posts are designed to do, get you in front of more people. And so it's not a question of do they work or not? It's do you understand what they're designed to do and are your expectations in alignment with that? You know, every type of ad that you run, whether it is, you know, a boosted post directly through your page, or if you actually go through ads manager, there's still this version of kind of being able to say like, hey, what's the goal? What's the objection? There are many types of ads, again, boosted posts included, where it might just be reach or engagement as the goal. If that's your goal, and if that's something you want to spend 10, 20, 30, $100 on just to get in front of more people, then great, go for it. You know, what I can speak to is that our clients work with us to use ads in much more of a sort of like direct sales, direct marketing, direct conversion manner. And so obviously we are looking to have people take an action. We don't really care about the reach. We don't really care about the engagement of those things have to happen in order to have the results at the end of the day, but that's not our end all be all. So Mm -hmm. posts can get you in front of more people. Is that your goal? And again, I think this goes back to these big, like foundational pieces that people need to have an understanding of before they're even thinking about ads. What do you want people to do? Like, have you really thought out what that customer decision journey is? And do you know how to track that so you can actually see if your ads are doing their job and troubleshoot where there may be an issue? I think a lot of people end up boosting posts because they haven't actually taken the time to think through what they do want to happen. I think people blindly spend a little bit of money boosting a post. They don't generate any direct results from it because that's not really what a boosted post is designed to do, nor have they really thought out their ad strategy. And then they walk around feeling like, you know, Facebook is bad. Zuckerberg is bad. They've completely given their power away. They've said they don't understand it or Facebook took my money. And it's like, well, (laughs) you kind of miss this like big, important foundational upfront piece that is, I think, the biggest difference maker way more so than like a minute targeting detail, for example, that ultimately determines if you have success or failure. Mm -hmm. And of course, your call to action and whatever that post is, is going to determine that as well. Exactly, exactly. So I know there's the Facebook pixel and I have that set up on my website and everything. And I know that's a way of tracking. Yes. Can you explain that just briefly for the listeners and whether or not they should or shouldn't have that pixel on their website. Yes. I mean, you absolutely, without a doubt, even if you're not advertising today, you should 100% have a pixel on your website because it's collecting data constantly. And so if at any point in time you do decide to advertise, you're like ahead of the game, so to speak, because you're already collecting data from the people who are visiting your website and your pixel is like, intelligent, so to speak, right? It's been like kind of learning in the background while you've just been, you know, sending people through your website from whatever source you're sending them to. Really plain and simple, the Pixel has two main functionalities. One is it allows you to do retargeting. So this is like, you know, a standard thing that we do for all clients and that I do for my own business. You know, anybody that has visited any of your website pages may not immediately take the action you want them to take. Users need multiple touch points. That's just like, you know, marketing 101 thing. And so when the pixel is on your website, it allows you to build an audience of people that visited your website and retarget those people with specific uh, messaging and specific ads. So that's one functionality. And then the other functionality is to your point, being able to track certain actions. So like the most simple example, let's say you're sending people to a page to sign up for a free training. You would send them to the page. They sign up to that training. After they sign up, they end up on the thank you page. And on the thank you page, there's going to be like almost like a special part of the Facebook pixel that says when someone lands here, 
it means they have completed the sign up because they can only get to the thank you page if they've completed the sign up. And then that information gets sent back to Facebook and says, hey, it was this ad, this audience and this campaign that generated that sign up. So not only can you track your overall results beyond just clicks, who cares about clicks? We want the sign up, we want the sale, we want the booked call. We can track that and then we can even see down to the specific ad exactly which copy, which creative and which audiences are generating the most results at the lowest cost possible so that you can optimize and make things better over time. Wow. Wow. It's rather involved. (laughs) I wonder where I find that information on my website. That's probably a conversation for another day. It's set up, but I don't know what to do with it. I know, you know, it's like so many of our clients end up just coming to us and saying, you know, it's like their biggest pain point is just like, take this off my hands, please. Like, I don't want to book a manager ever again. Like, please save me from it and save me from myself. Yeah. I'm thinking, here's my checkbook, Jennifer. (laughs) Seriously, this is like very complicated. Yeah. Okay. So that's why you exist. And that's why you're yes. doing so well with your business. Yes. And look, you know, we, we love it. It's like, you know, it, there's always something to be said for having, you know, people operate in their zones of genius. Like our clients are like, Oh my God, this is exhausting. My team and I are like Facebook ads. They're the bet. You know, we're just like totally nerding out and we love it so much. That's awesome. Well, I think you have to be very strategic and you have to love numbers. So for those of us who can't even do our balance sheet and have somebody else doing our books, like, clearly this is not the job for us. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Okay. So now tell me, because you have a philosophy that people don't need lead magnets. Tell me about that, because that is something that I have always had my clients do. Like that's one of the big things we work on is creating that lead magnets. We can drive traffic to the website or to the email list rather, because we own our email list. We don't own anything else. We don't own Facebook ads. We don't own Instagram. We, you know, so tell me what your thinking is behind this concept. Yes. So let me just say first and foremost, like I am never, I never do any of that, like blanket, you should do this. Everybody should do this. I don't ever really operate in that way. It's more about for me personally, like what serves me and what feels good. And to be clear, we have plenty of clients that use lead magnets. It's not about do or don't. It's just for certain types of businesses, it actually may be creating an extra barrier. So I will talk about my own business, for example, and this is really where I decided lead magnets were not a fit. And so, you know, I'm selling a high ticket service, number one, and also it's a done for you service. And I think that piece of it is perhaps the most relevant here. Done for you buyers behave differently, right? Because at the end of the day, they're so far from being a DIYer that watching a webinar, you know, going through a guide, that's just so not their world. Like they just want the right person with the right messaging to show up at the right time and do the thing for them. Again, there are many businesses in which lead magnets do work. I don't believe there's any blanket statement about anything, right? That like you should always do what feels good for you and what makes sense in your own business. But for me, I felt number one, that my buyers didn't want to learn about Facebook ads to sort of the point I was just making, right? They just want me to do it for them. And also, again, this is just very much like a personal thing about what feels in alignment for me. There's a certain like aspect of, I don't really want to like, 
work that hard. I know the value of what we do. I've got the case studies, the media mentions, the track records and the experience to prove it. And I don't believe that I need to spend all of this time doing all of this free teaching and free whatever. I really believe that I can show up and my people are like, that's my person. And that is, you know, how I've grown my company to seven figures by really just showing up and saying, hey, this is what we do. Book a call with me if this is something that you're interested in. And so I actually use ads in a little bit of a counterintuitive way where I do send ads to cold traffic, people who don't know me, directly to get on a sales call with me. And my return on this particular campaign that I've been running for about a year now is astronomical. Like, let me actually, I can check the exact numbers for you because they change all the time and I always want to be like, super on the up and up with the data that I share and, you know, any podcast or anything. So the latest stats are we've spent about $22,700 on ads. And for anybody who feels like that sounds like a lot, again, this is over the course of a year. So that's less than two grand a month. We're not spending anything crazy. And the total revenue brought in from this campaign is $529,500, which is about a 23 times return, which is phenomenal. And again, that is just what we're, you know, for me in my business, we have plenty of clients who do use lead magnets and they're also getting great results and it works for them and it feels good for them. Mm-hmm. I think you hit the nail on the head when you said, are your clients the done for you service yeah. seekers or are they people who want to have something in their hand that's going to educate them and help them do something on their own? And yes. that's the determining factor. So that's actually a brilliant way to look at it. I like that a lot. And I can see where, like, I have two different arms in my business where we have kind of the brand agency where we, it is a done for you service where we do the website, we do the copy, we do everything. And then, you know, the coaching aspect is people want to learn and they want to implement on their own, but they need that accountability component. So I can see the benefits to both. Absolutely. And again, I think always case by case basis, like really in a sophisticated way, like thinking, because ultimately where it started for me was sitting down and thinking, what is the right lead magnet for my people? And I was thinking about my ideal clients and what type of ad they would click on for a webinar or free whatever. And I realized there isn't one. They don't click on those things. No. And so, you know, it was just that like really thinking through what was the right fit and realizing that the ideal customer decision journey for my agency didn't include that. And for plenty other businesses, it very well might. And it's just that process of like, what do my people want? And how do I make sure that my ad strategy really honors that natural customer decision journey that people are kind of saying to you they want to be going through? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so now really quick, because we're like running out of time, but I really want you to hit on this. So you have six emails that will guarantee you never have to do another proposal again. What in the world are these six emails? It actually really perfectly relates to this funnel that I was just talking about. And something that I do that I notice a lot of people don't do is I actually have 
like this entire nurture campaign that kicks in after somebody books the call. So the normal funnel, the normal approach is, you know, get them to sign up for the lead magnet. Then you do all the nurture emails. Then they book the call if that's, you know, how you do sales in your business. And then it's done. And obviously it's not really done. You still have to close them on the call. But there isn't a lot of stuff that happens after the call is booked other than like those like standard reminder emails that everybody gets and are so easy to ignore. And so what I do is, again, I have this six email sequence that runs between when clients book. And again, you know, most of these are coming in cold from ads up until the time when they have the call. And, you know, I think rather than like going through like each unique email, what is actually unique about it is the approach that I take to messaging. So the result, I'll tell you about the result for a second, and then I'll get into that sort of messaging approach. The result is that people, you know, they don't know who I am. They're clicking on my ad. They're booking a call. We have the call a couple of days later. And people who are strangers to me are showing up to my sales calls and saying things like, I didn't know you existed a couple of days ago. I would like to work with you and be your best friend like ASAP. How do we make that happen? So they're like having this experience of feeling like they know me. They're super ready to go. They're super warmed up. And ultimately, it's because both throughout my funnel, my ads, and then especially the six-part email sequence, my messaging is less about talking about my audience's pain points and you know all of these case studies that I have because... That's what every other agency does, you know, and and if all you're doing right, like we're taught that like, that's like the smart way to do messaging, right? Talk about your credibility, you know, talk about the audience's pain points, but then every other person that does what we do is also kind of saying the same thing. And so that actually doesn't really allow you to differentiate yourself. Now, again, this is something that's a little unique to my business. It's definitely a bit of a personal brand. And my people tend to just like know and connect with me and they know they're my people. So I do believe that's a part of why this works. But, you know, the messaging in the email sequence is really about me and who I am and, you know, the mission behind my company and why I do what I do and like weird, quirky things about like my cats, for example. Like truly, there's like literal mention of my cats in like a lot of aspects of my marketing. And, you know, really what it comes down to is creating true authentic connection in a way that actually makes competition irrelevant. So that's why I don't need to do custom proposals or a lot of follow-up. People are not coming on my sales calls shopping around for different agencies. People are coming on my sales calls and they've picked Jennifer. It actually almost doesn't even matter what I'm selling anymore. They want it. They want to like be in my energy and be in my container. They want to have a relationship with me. And so I just, I think that, you know, doing emails in that way and doing messaging in that way is ultimately what creates that. And it allows my sales calls to just be like connecting with another human being, which is again, what feels really good to me. I don't like hard sales. I don't like the pushiness. And so it lets me just be like, Hey, this is who we are. Take it or leave it. And like all good if leaving it is what feels great for you. So yeah, that's the approach that I take to emails. I love, love, love that. And so you're doing this based on your personal brand. And I say this all the time, but your brand is other people's gut feeling about you. It's what they think, say, feel about you. So not what you say you are or who you are. So you're doing exactly that. You're just giving them enough information that they can formulate their opinion about you, but formulate it in a way that, hey, I like her. I can connect with her. I can trust her. And that's what it's all about, right? Yes. Being recognizable, memorable, and then building that no love and trust factor. So exactly. And, you know, some people like, 
it's not a fit for them. Yeah. And that's so great when those people can kind of like self-select out. And, you know, I knowing showing up on a sales call that a person really, truly has a sense of like who I am, who the people that work in my agency are, what we stand for. And we're just like immediately already aligned. It saves so much time and energy of like trying to get somebody to like, you know, believe in us or think we're great when like, again, I don't really want to work that hard, you know? <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. And I love that you stay true to that. I mean, that's one of your values, you know, and, and you stay aligned to that versus sacrificing time and energy and emotions to, to work in a way you don't want to work. So yeah, that's fantastic. A great lesson for everybody out there listening. So Jennifer, thank you so much for being here today. Will you please share with the listeners how they can connect with you, learn more about you, maybe even hire you? Yeah. So like unsurprisingly to probably nobody, the place I hang out the most is Facebook. So definitely love to connect with people over there. I'm Jennifer Spivak on Facebook. And then our website is jenniferspivak.com. Awesome. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you so much, Robin. And that's a wrap, friends. Thank you so much for listening today. I am so grateful to have you here with me. If you enjoyed the episode and found the information helpful, will you please take a moment to subscribe and leave a rating and review? would mean the world to me. Ratings and reviews are what give life to podcasts and help others find us. And it truly warms my heart to read them. If you know someone who could use the information shared today, please share the episode with them too. Before you go, have we connected on Instagram yet? Find me at the Robin Graham. I'd love to connect with my listeners and learn more about you too. So take a screenshot of this episode and tag me in your stories so that I can find you and know that you've listened. You can also find me on Clubhouse, Facebook, and LinkedIn as The Robin Graham. Lastly, if you'd like more information on personal branding and brand marketing strategies and to be part of a community of like-minded people, join the Female Entrepreneur Insider Facebook group. We are live every week with incredible trainings to help you build a solid foundation for your brand and business. Until next time, remember to smile.